There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Jenny Melrose is a former reading specialist who, quote, retired from her teaching career when her blogging income far exceeded her salary. Through hard work and dedication, her lifestyle blog, The Melrose Family, became regularly sought after by nationally recognized brands such as Neutrogena, Smuckers, Costco, and many more. The unique pitching process she developed for working with brands transformed an empty editorial calendar into one that was completely booked months in advance. Now she's combining her passion for teaching with her extensive experience working with brands to help other bloggers do the same. All right. So we have Jenny Melrose on the podcast today. Super happy to have you here. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you so much for having me, Jesse. I appreciate it. Of course. So um, I think that you, you know, we heard a little bit in your intro, um, just about your path and um, how you started out as an influencer and, you know, has transitioned into, you know, helping others with everything that you've learned. Um, so I'd love to find out, let's start from the beginning. You know, how did you get into influencer marketing from the very beginning when you were an influencer and are an influencer? Um, and then kind of walk us through in your own words how you ended up to where you are today. Absolutely. Um, so I had the Melrose family, which I had started, it would have been 10 years this coming February in 2020. Um, and it started, it was a lifestyle blog. So I pretty much created content, especially back then on anything that was going on. You kind of, it was almost like your life journal blogging back then. Um, I grew up before Pinterest and before Instagram even existed. So it was a very different format as far as what you could put out on social media. I was able to build it up as far as gaining followers and understanding how to then use Pinterest to grow my traffic and grow my audience. And for me, there were multiple ways that you could kind of monetize a blog at that time. And I primarily did a lot of food. But I knew because I was lifestyle and kind of in all different niches, I was never going to see a million page views. I had an audience. It wasn't ever going to be ginormous. So I decided that I was going to make the majority of my income from working on sponsored content, doing influencer marketing. I started in some of the networks and realized that using the networks as kind of like go-betweens, I wasn't really able to show the brand 
how I was really unique and perfect because I had their target audience and I could put together a story that was my own that would really show my audience that this was the right product for them and would actually be a great campaign for that brand. So I started reaching out to brands myself and pitching them myself. Uh, and just put together a strategy that even though I wasn't a huge blogger, I never had 10,000 followers even on Instagram, I could still leverage the audience that I did have. And they became long-term contracts because I was able to create a really great relationship with the brands because I delivered on my content. Absolutely. And so I feel like that is, you know, absolutely something that so many, whether you're an influencer, whether you're a brand or, um, you know, or an agency on behalf of a brand, like that pitch process is so pivotal um, because it's just really an exchange of the right information, right? And there is a right way to do a pitch. Well, let's just use the word effective. There is an effective way to do a pitch and an ineffective way to do a pitch. So break it down for everybody listening because I think this is so valuable no matter what side of the influencer marketing, you know, whatever side you're on. Um, what, what should agencies and brands be requiring in a pitch and what should influencers be including in a pitch? I think one of the most important things that a brand should be looking for and also the influencer needs to be aware of is that it's not about the influencer, it's about the audience that they have. And they should be able to show how that audience is the perfect fit for the brand. So if the brand is pushing specific products, they should also know what products are coming. What is their messaging? Um, they're going to need to do, as an influencer, you need to do your research, especially if it's a product that maybe it's new to you. I always recommend to my clients and to my students that you reach out to the brands that you know, use, and love. It needs to be authentic. And if you can tell a story where you grew up using that particular sugar in your house, baking cookies with your grandmother, that story and that is going to come across more authentic to your audience and therefore is going to convert better for the brand. Because ultimately, that's what it's supposed to be about, right? You're supposed to be helping that brand get their messaging out through your influence. Um, and when being authentic, putting it into your pitch and making sure you're showing how you can leverage that audience and it's a good fit. Um, also, then telling them a little bit about that audience. You have to know who they are and why they're coming to you. So knowing your really the basics about your analytics and who you're attracting is extremely important for that pitch. And so let's dig into that a little bit because I love it. Like step one is like knowing, you know, the the most important thing in this pitch. Like it's about the brand and your audience. It's about your audience and it's not about you. Um, absolutely. And so then um, you know what the messaging is supposed to be about. Now digging into that audience, like what are the operative, you know, pieces of those analytics that maybe what are the ones that you think are most important to highlight? Uh, in the past, Brands used to care a lot about followers, but the trends now, they're getting smart, which actually helps us as influencers. If we truly know our audience, they care more about engagement. So it doesn't matter if you have 500,000 followers on Instagram or you have 500 followers. If those 500 followers that you have are 
very highly engaged, the brand is going to want to work with you. Those are going to be more beneficial than that 500,000 where maybe 1% is engaging or even seeing the content, especially with the way that the algorithms work now. So if you can find a, your audience is highly engaged and you can show that it's really important right now. The brands are really paying attention to Instagram stories because they can see the information. They can see the conversations that are happening and the engagement is still occurring over there. Whereas Instagram and your feed is going away and the same thing with Facebook. You're just not getting seen the way that you used to be. For sure. And so, um, you know, I tend to hear the number thrown out as 3% engagement is usually like the minimum slash like, you know, in some instances, a sweet spot. 3% is currently what I hear. Is that kind of what you hear on, on in your conversations as well? Yes, absolutely. And I think that if you can show the depth of those conversations, it outweighs even that percentage. So in other words, if you're when we talk about engagement, sometimes people think of it as simply, oh, they hearted my story. What I'm talking about goes deeper is when you have a follow-up conversation with them via DMs. So let's say, for example, you're talking about a product in your Instagram story. It's not even sponsored. Maybe you just um, had a specific type of coffee, right? And you put it on your Instagram stories and you ask them a question, a poll. Have you ever heard, I tried this or what's your favorite type of coffee, this one or this one, and you give them a poll. And then from there, you can then follow up on that conversation via DM with them based on how they answered for the poll. It's just going, taking it beyond just the surface of liking something, which for many of us has just become we're not that involved with it then. But if you can then show them, here's the continued conversation. These are the questions they asked about the brand. This is why they're interested. That's what's going to make a difference in the brand wanting to work with you. I love that because what it's also showing is just like an, an additional level of sophistication with your company, which is your brand. And so, you know, everybody's providing just screenshots of their an analytics, but analyze those analytics, like show people that you truly understand them and interpret them for them. Like, you know, they're seeing screenshots all day, all long, all, like how informative and how helpful would it be if you're like, so here's what you're actually seeing. Um, also, you know, I hear a lot of people talk to your point about sentiment, right? And so it's like organizing yourself to capture that sentiment. So like always going in and, you know, responding to comments and responding to questions, so important to increase that engagement. It's perpetuated that, that way to continue and, and enable and encourage the conversation. But while you're in there, take some screenshots, right? Of like those, those operative comments that are really showing that, you know, it's not just an emoji comment and it's not just a cool photo comment, but it's like, something that's really, you know, showing that that person is really attached and informed and, and, or asking questions, or there's some sort of deeper level of engagement there for sure. Um, and so, you know, my question to you is how long should a pitch like this be? What, what, what do you, what length of it and, and how do you distribute it? Like talk to us. I love specifics, get as specific as you can with us about that. 
Absolutely, of course. Um, I always recommend that you pitch via email. Find that email address for the right person on their team. If you can't find an email on their website, um, I would recommend starting the conversation even on Instagram stories, talking about the brand. And then when they like your Instagram story, ask them for the person on their team who works on influencer campaigns and ask for that email address. Your pitch email should kind of, you have to remember that most businesses, most people nowadays are looking at everything on their phone. So you don't want your pitch to be six paragraphs where it's 500 words in every single paragraph. You want it to be bite-sized pieces of information where you're getting to the point, you're telling them what it is that you do, what makes you unique, leveraging your audience, telling a little bit about your analytics, and then having a call to action where your call to action is, I'd love to send you a media kit and a proposal for your review. You're not including your media kit in that first email, you're having them ask for it. And I recommend that once you send, when they ask for the media kit, you send a separate proposal that has your pricing. And your pricing is a package deal. It's never, I do this for this, I have an Instagram story for this price and I do a blog post for this price. Package everything into one price so that when they negotiate, because they are going to negotiate with you, and if they don't negotiate, it's normally because your prices are too low. But if they, when they negotiate with you, then you're able to take out specific deliverables that you had said was going to be in the package. So let's say you did said five Instagram stories was going to be part of the package on top of a blog post and normal social shares. Now you can take that out and take out $500 or take out however much value you see in that to get to the price that they're trying to negotiate you to. hundred percent. I love that. And just, you know, people shouldn't be afraid of or not be afraid of, but like people should really, really utilize, you know, bolding text and italicizing text. And, you know, just really recognizing that you have a limited amount of real estate, the front of your, you know, the size of your phone <laughs> to communicate, you know, uh, the most important information um, and pitch that you can. And so like, learn how, I mean, these are visual storytellers after all, right? So, you know, utilize your words and utilize, but also realize that in this limited amount of real estate, you know, draw the eye to where you want it to go. Um, so, you know, of, yes, of course, it's the information that you, that you present, but it's also how you present it. Um, and so I love that, like keeping mobile in mind. That's so important these days for sure. Um, what about follow-ups? You know, so let's say, you send this incredible pitch, you know, you've gotten a few people who are receptive to, to it. So you know that it's incredible. You can affirm that. But the one brand that you were dying to hear back from hasn't gotten back to you. What do you do if they don't get back to you? Do you follow up? Do you, how long do you wait? Talk me through that a little bit. No, absolutely. So follow up, I would recommend is seven to 10 days. Normally, you're not going to hear back on the first email. And when you do follow up, I would recommend that you change your subject line so that it's something that kind of shows how you're unique. Um, and maybe if you are in, if you do a lot of Instagram live, or if you do stories very actively, kind of try to put something in there that's going to intrigue them to want to open it up so that you can then continue that conversation. I would also recommend that you put some, a Google Chrome extension so that you can actually see if the email has been opened if it's been clicked, if it's been passed around. And that um, extension is Streak. It's a free extension. It's S-T-R-E-A-K. 
And once you have that extension on there, you can see what's going on with the email and whether or not they're even opening it. So I would say seven to 10 days. And I would say even after that, I continue to follow up. And because I have streak on there, you know whether or not they opened the previous email. So if they've opened the previous email, I'm not going to copy and paste exactly what I wrote the last time. I'm just gonna follow up on the previous email and say, you know, I know how busy you've been. I just, I'm starting to fill up for quarter four. I'd love to get uh, my mini camp proposal over to you. And then just leave the rest of the previous beginning email on there. If they haven't opened it, I'm going to change my subject line entirely and I'm going to copy and paste pretty much the entire, the same exact email I had already posted because they never saw it. So it's going to be really determined upon whether they've seen it or not. And then as far as continuing, when it comes to sending an email, sending a pitch, it's a law of averages. What we find is that out of 10 emails that you're going to send, one of them is going to say yes. and that's only out of the 10 that actually respond. So you have to continue to have, try to get in their inbox, have a conversation with them, get them to open it for sure. Oh my gosh, that's such good advice. Um, I'm all about utilizing technology to like maximize our efforts. So streak, such a great idea. Um, absolutely. And just, I know there are, you know, different uh, add-ons sort of uh, get you different bits of information. Does streak also tell you how many times it's been opened as well? So that's fantastic too. So, you know, you could see if it was opened once, but you can get really excited if they shared it with the company and they're passing it around and you've seen that they've opened it 20 times um, that might, you know, dictate and change a little bit of what your follow-up strategy may be. Um, more information is always power. Um, I love that so much. Um, and so, okay, so, you know, you follow up. I love that idea of, you know, you change the subject line, but you keep the same information if they hadn't opened it originally. Um, and so, you know, what about other ways of reaching out? Is it just email or should, would you recommend LinkedIn, DMing on Instagram? Like what feels appropriate versus pushy versus effective? I, I, I'll preface it with saying as somebody who is pitched to, I, I think that it's a personal preference in so many instances. So again, like you were saying, it's a law of averages. Most people, what do you find is the preferable way of communicating? Definitely, I would say email. So even if you're going to use LinkedIn, you're going to use Instagram stories, it's to find that email address and get the email out to them. You can go back in your history and be able to just have everything documented for that conversation. And I think that when people are on social media, you never know who you're talking to, especially if you're talking to, you could be talking to a 20 year old on Instagram stories that has no decision-making power whatsoever for influencer marketing. So they could promise you the moon and the stars, but they're not the ones probably writing the check for the campaigns. So you need to definitely get in the inbox and make sure that it can then get passed on to whoever is making the decisions about the campaigns. And so, you know, for all the influencers listening to this podcast right now, um, and maybe they have an extensive audience and once they make it in front of the right people, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be excited that they found this person. What if they're struggling getting in front of the right people? How do they find these connections? How do they find these email addresses? What advice would you give to those people listening? So 
you always want to start with their website. A lot of the times the brands now, because of the websites, they make it as accessible as possible. If you go up to their menu bar, you can normally find something that says press releases. And if you go to a press release, they're going to be talking about, let's say, a new product that they're releasing in come the fall. And on that press release, they'll talk about the product, but then at the bottom of it, the person's email is going to be on there and that's the person that you want to get in contact with. So if it's not under contact information, then you're going to a press release. Then from there, go to Instagram stories, trying to authentically talk about them rather than just cold pitching them or cold reaching out, hey, can I have the email address? Instead, authentically talk about that product, show yourself using it in an Instagram story, ask your audience a question about it if they've used it before, because when you tag them in that story, they of course then get that notification. You can have that conversation then in DMs, start saying, you know, I love your product, I've been using it for this, this, and this, my kids love it, whatever it might be, and then ask for that email address. Same thing, um, a lot of times with LinkedIn, because it is a search engine and right now is very organic, you can get sometimes the information right off of there for an email address. But I wouldn't cold email, uh, cold message them in LinkedIn looking for anything if you can find it right there as part of the platform. For sure. I love that advice so much. Um, and so, you know, what would you recommend um, from the you know buyer's perspective? Like if you are an agency or a a brand, um, how would you recommend them going about getting more pitches in their inbox? I don't know if it necessarily would be more or if it would make more sense. Say, for example, if I was a product-based business and I wanted to get in front of a bunch of influencers, I'm going to go and I'm going to look do my research. I'm going to look and see who is getting the engagement, who are using the hashtags, who has the audience, and then I'm going to reach out to them. That's personally how I would go about finding the right people. I would look to see who's already authentically talking about me, who has content that maybe wasn't sponsored in the past, they just love our product, then I'm going to want to reach out to those because there are plenty of bloggers and influencers that are out there that love particular products and they're not doing it because it's not, it's sponsored. They're doing it because it's authentically what they love. So those are the people that I would be looking for. Um, and as far as trying to increase the emails or anything like that, I don't know if necessarily you I think they're going to get enough emails as it is without needing to increase that number, to be honest. Got it. Okay, great. That's awesome. Um, what do you think is the right time for a person to quit their normal job to follow their dream job full time? So I am a risk taker by all means. I have a habit of jumping before I even have any sort of process or steps in place. But I think you need to really look at where you are in your life, who is depending upon you as far as family, if you have children, what does that look like before you take risks like that? For me, before I left, I used to be a full-time inner city school district teacher actually in New York. Um, and before I left teaching, I the deal with my husband was that I needed to replace my teaching income with my blogging income. Once I was able to do that, then I was able to leave my full-time teaching position. So I had that kind of 
I wasn't taking a huge risk. I wasn't putting the risk, my family at risk for income or anything like that. So it really depends upon where you are as far as your own journey, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, I think that's such great advice because I feel like, you know, you have to also take into consideration your own personal situation. Um, and just because, you know, a move is right for one person doesn't mean it's right for the other. Being responsible while also doing what excites you. It's such a fine balance. Um, and I feel like all of those things 100% need to be taken into consideration. Um, you know, similar to that, what do you think is the best way to survive in the blogging and entrepreneurial world? You know, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, pitching and like absolutely certain tactics um, to to enact that, you know, could could get you in front of the right people and increase your chances of, of getting everything that you want. Um, you know, generally speaking, what's the best way to survive in blogging? You talked a little bit about, you know, if you don't have hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram, but let's say you have incredible blog traffic or vice versa, what are different revenue streams that you've seen that are really effective for influencers? So I think one of the tactics that can actually help you survive as a blogger or even as a small business entrepreneur is your mindset. Your mindset is the first thing that has to be taken care of because this, in my, with my clients, what I've noticed is that the second they start thinking of themselves as a business, that's when it turns into a business. So it's not a matter of the income coming in or the income going out, profit and loss, nothing like that. It's just them saying, okay, I'm gonna treat this like a business. This is a business, this is what I do. They get clear on their elevator pitch and what it is that they do. And that attracts it to be more of a business. From there, I think as a influencer blogger, there's tons of different ways that you can monetize. Um, there are ads, which many of you, you can use ad networks that can place them on your ads based upon your page view numbers so that you can have passive, technically passive, um, income coming in. You can also do not only, of course, influencer marketing sponsored content, but affiliate marketing through different um revenue like like to know it or amazon whatever it might be um, and then there's also products and services your audience once you have that audience once you know who they are you they're coming to you because you solve a problem listen to what they're telling you and really think about okay i'm routinely getting asked this question how can i provide them that answer as a product or service. And it doesn't have to be something that's hundreds of dollars. It could be an ebook that's $3.99. But if you have those people looking for that, they're going to be willing to pay to have the solution which you can provide them with. So ah. diversifying. Diversifying for sure. And, you know, back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this conversation, it's just like learning your audience um, and reacting upon like what they, what they're asking for, what they're talking about um, versus, you know, reinventing the wheel. Why would you reinvent the wheel if you have the answer sitting right in front of you? Um, so it's asking the right questions. And I feel like, you know, that will help 
people along guide them along the way. Um, you might have, you know, something in mind, which is fantastic. And maybe it's the right answer. Or maybe it just needs to even just be tweaked just slightly depending on, you know, who, who is in your network. Um, so asking the operative questions, really listening to them, taking them into consideration, and then, you know, making decisions based on that information, I think is so valuable. Um, you know, so talk to us a little bit about, you know, how you're currently working with influencers, you know, tell us all about it. I, I think a lot of people tuning in are very curious to hear. Um, so tell us how it works if somebody wants to work with you. Yes. So I have a digital product called Pitch Perfect Pro, which actually teaches them the complete process of pitching and gaining those long-term contracts. I also um, run Paid Masterminds, which is one of my favorite programs because I love being able to bring together women entrepreneurs that are looking to scale and grow their businesses and to be able to hold each other accountable, but at the same time, support each other in growing that their business. Um, and then I also host an annual conference here in Charlotte, North Carolina called Influencer Entrepreneurs Academy. Um, it's a little bit different than most conferences because I am a former teacher, so I pull in some of that teacher of me. My speakers um, will present for 45 minutes to the entire, uh, all of the attendees, and then they, I've asked them, or requested, I should say, that mm -hmm. they provide the attendees with an activity that applies the strategies that they were just taught so that those strategies taught are now concrete. They work in mastermind groups to work through the activity. And then once they leave the conference, the strategies are already there and part of what part of their business. I love that so much. I mean, on this podcast in particular, we're always about actionable things. Like we could talk ourselves to death. This is a podcast for God's sakes, but like we just really need to talk about some actionable things that will actually move the needle. So I could tell that I could so tell that you have a history as a teacher. Um, it seems like all of your advice is so actionable. So I love that. And so the fact that you put together a conference with all of like, I'm sure the entire conference is all actionable things. Um, tell people, you know, where if they wanted to attend that conference, um, tell them your website, where could they head to to see more information about it? Yes, no, absolutely. If you go to JennyMelrose.com, you will land on my homepage and up in the top menu bar, you can find it's um, listed as IEA, which is the conference Influencer Entrepreneurs Academy. There's also my mastermind info and as well as my coaching and my products. So the website is the best place because it's an all in one kind of place. And you can also find all previous podcast episodes as well, because I also have my own podcast, Influencer Entrepreneurs. And so I was going to get into that later, but let's get into that now. No, that's okay. We want to hear. I want to hear. Um, tell us a little bit about your podcast. And, you know, uh, it's obviously in the influencer marketing space as well, um, but certainly differs from the Win podcast. But I love supporting fellow podcasters. So tell us a little bit of a sneak peek into what yours is. Yes, of course. So Influencer Entrepreneurs podcast is really about having women look at their businesses as more of being able to influence than sell. One of the biggest things that I see that women struggle with is this idea of being able to sell things. They don't, they get nervous when they have to pitch themselves. They get nervous if they have a product or service, they feel like they're being icky. And one of the things that I always truly believed is that 
You're not selling, you're influencing. You're showing them that you can help solve a problem. And if you don't solve that problem for them, they're never going to be able to move their lives forward or they're not going to have that problem solved. So Influencer Entrepreneurs is all about giving women the confidence to be able to sell their products or services without feeling icky about it. I love that so much. And talk to me a little bit about, I mean, we talk on this podcast um, every episode a little bit about, you know, what it's like to be a, a woman in, you know, we're in 2019 right now, um, a woman in business in 2019, um, and you using the word, you know, icky without feeling icky about it. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, some of the things that you've heard from the people that you've worked with, some of the icky things that they've felt, um, and what you think is so important for them to keep in mind to get over all of those preconceptions. Yes. I think that we, the clients that I have, the women that I've worked with, they think of sales and it gives that icky feeling. It gives that feeling of, it has a negative connotation to it. They're used to thinking of the used car salesman or the guy that called them on the phone. And I think as what I've also noticed is with women, we have a really hard time talking about ourselves and being able to just talk about how great we are. We often will hold back to because we feel like we're boasting. Whereas if you were to ask a man that, that does the same exact thing that that woman does, he is more than willing to tout himself and talk about what it is that he does. And not because he's trying to boast, because he's just standing up for who he is and proclaiming that, which is what ideally we as women need to be doing. We need to be having confidence in ourselves and not feeling like we need to make ourselves small, but to actually be able to say, this is what I do because I'm going to help people and stand behind it no matter where it takes you. And where does that, you know, where, where does that confidence come from? Like, you know, if let's say somebody listening, like they want to, explore that like they want to have that confidence you know are there any sort of exercises or you know or any advice that you would give um to somebody who isn't innately as confident as they should be what do you tell those people in order to get there i think it's mindset work it really is it's just really getting clear on the components of there's, there's a far apart strategy and I don't want to go, we could do a whole nother podcast episode on this, but there's something called pack, which is what I use. And that the first, the P is positioning. How are you unique? Being able to tell me that and stand and own it. That A is your authenticity. Where is your heart at? What do you truly believe in? That C is your confidence, being able to fake it until you make it and just being able to hold your own and speak with confidence. And then the fourth piece is kindness, being able to listen to what others are telling you and treating others the way that you would want to be treated. When you take those four things, I feel like it puts together the mindset that you truly could conquer just about anything and get your goals and your business moving forward. I love that so much. I mean, I, I think that it's to what you said, like it's a lot of work. I think that it's a lot of work to to get your mindset, whether, you know, regardless of where you're starting. Um, if you're starting out with no confidence, a little confidence, or even a lot of confidence, all of it takes a lot of work to just get 
better. So shifting your mindset, exactly what you're saying to get to a place where, you know, you're open to growth, you're open to learning and you're hungry and wanting it. I just feel like that is like such a key to success. Um, we ask this of everybody on the podcast. I'm very excited to ask you as well. What do you wish somebody had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or a personal advantage today? I would have to say that for me, I don't know that it's something that someone would have had to say. I think I wish that I had seen more women in my childhood that were adults that ran their own businesses, that did the things that I could aspire to do. I grew up in a middle class, blue collar family and relatives. There was no one that was running their own business. There was no one taking any sort of risks. So for me, I think that I would have done this and started this business at a much younger age had I been influenced by that. And that honestly is my mission with my business. My mission with my business is to show as many young girls that they can run their own businesses. And I feel I do that by helping their moms and their grandmothers and the women in their lives run their successful businesses. Oh, I, that, I mean, we can talk about that for hours <laughs> and that's such an incredible goal for you personally, professionally. And I hope a lot of women listening, um, cause that's really where the magic happens when us women like come together and just create some incredible work. Um, and you know, it, it, it takes that support system. Um, and, and it takes having, the path before you paved already by somebody else. Um, you know, some of us are just, you know, we've, we haven't had that opportunity. And so we just forge through, um, and push through, but how much more could we have accomplished if somebody before us would have paved the way? Um, so to be that person, you know, maybe you didn't have it for you. And so that's what you want to do for future generations behind you. I love that so, so much. Um, I have a feeling that everybody listening is going to want to get in touch with you, whether it's about, you know, to listen to your podcast, um, to go to one of your conferences, um, to learn about working together. So what is the best way that everybody could get in touch with you? Yes. If you go to jennymowers.com, you'll be able to find whatever it is that you're looking for, but you can also reach out directly to me. Um, just Jenny at jennymowers.com via email. Um, and that's honestly the best place, quickest place you'll get an answer. And I can make sure that we get you into the right area and program that you're looking for. And I love that you have so many things going on from one entrepreneur to another. When do you sleep? No, <laughs> because it, it it takes a village to do what you're doing. And it's so respectable with all the things that you have going on. So congratulations on everything. And we're so thankful to have had you on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Jesse. I appreciate it. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments. So comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in.
The gifts are all yours at JCPenney's Happy Birthday Sale. Celebrate with 30% off select Levi's for the fam. Plus, save up to 50% during our biggest home sale of the season. Oh, and this Saturday only, the first 120 customers in-store get a coupon for $10 off a $10 purchase. Shopping is back. JCPenney. Levi's offer ends 417. Additional offers and coupons do not apply. Home offer ends 49. Coupon giveaway in-store only. Exclusions apply. Valid 49. Must be 18 or older. See store or jcp.com for details. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.